You're locked into This Is How, created by Nomina and Liberty, helping you access digital careers using tips and stories from the people working at some of the most influential brands, platforms, and publications in culture. For free content, resources, and advice to kickstart your dream career, as well as insider tips direct from our podcast guests and industry experts, head to our platform at thisishow.uk. My name is Balia. I'm a freelance journalist and editor, the founder of a women's basketball collective called The Hackney Gazelles, and occasionally I DJ too. And my name is Alex, and I'm a creative director and copywriter working in sportswear and fashion, having previously co-founded the publications The Daily Street and Crip City magazine. And on today's episode, we're meeting Leon Farrell. Hey, hey. Who works as a senior product manager at Warner Music Group. Applause in the studio. Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the first thank you for the applause. Oh, oh, I do think it is the first thank you. I'm thankful you. for, yeah, even one clap. So uh, Don't cringe, are you blushing? Yeah. Leon's blushing, that's Absolutely. nice. Absolutely. We like the studio applause. Yeah, we like a humble guest. Mm. We like a humble guest. This is going well. Going <laughs> <laughs> well. Slick. So, Leon. Hey. What is a senior product manager? I mean, I've always had uh, issues uh, explaining what I do, but um, there are kind of two different versions of of a product manager. One, uh, in the traditional tech sense, is someone who oversees uh, the building of a a platform or an application or a tech, you know, manages a tech team, which is kind of my skill set. That's my kind of my my background. Um, And then in a traditional record label sense, is someone who oversees the release of a product, i.e. an album or a single. So uh, I fall into largely the tech kind of you know, traditional skill set of a product manager. Um, but I, I, I sometimes fall into the, uh, the record label side of things too, more in, in my recent job. So, yeah. For Warner Music, that must be quite exciting. Yeah, you know what? To be honest, um, it's my dream job. Uh, if I could kind of... Sick. Yeah, if I could yeah, think. Right. I mean, you know, yeah, like it, it, it is. I mean, I love music. Like I love music and I also love kind of streetwear and trainers. That's my my biggest kind of vice. And that's your office wear look. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Need to, we need to point out right now that Leon's actually wearing his own merch. Yeah, he looks sick. Yeah. I'm saying it's yours as well here. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's a uniform for me. So, uh, yeah, you got to, you know, bet on the horse you're riding. To break it down a little bit further, what, what kind of things are involved in your job day to day? So I oversee uh, a kind of in-house brand slash label. Plug it. Uh, run the mic. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Run the Mic. Hello, if you're listening, you want to check out what Leon does. Yeah. Where should they go for Run the Mic? Uh, run the Mic on Instagram. Um, yeah, we have you know an application on the app on the App Store, which people can kind of go and freestyle. On. So it's like a bit of battle like rap that. versus. It's like you know when I when I grew up in London. Um, when I was younger, I used to kind of, you know, watch Lord of the Mics and mm-hmm. Risky Roads and yeah, have to yeah. wait till someone passed the DVD around and, you know. Or scratched up and stuff. Or scratched mm-hmm. up and, you know, certain things kind of missing. So um, as kind of urban music became the most uh, consumed music digitally, we, you know, my kind of demographic didn't really have uh, an application, you know, that allowed people to kind of, you know, jump on and do things like, hashtag challenges and that kind of stuff yeah. so which made which made no sense you know pop had dub smash and you know tiktok and music yeah. oh, yeah, we didn't yeah. really have that you know you, you you know you got those companies kind of crowbarring uh, you know the kind of urban music into their platforms but it wasn't really a home place mm. 
So yeah, we came up with this concept of of what run the mic was, and uh, we kind of we went for it. So people are able to go onto that application. Yeah, you can go and download it, upload your bars, you know, uh, rate other people's bars. So you've gone from crunching numbers, and from what I understand now, I, you're like an editor, an A and R, a product manager. You're a lot of jobs yeah. underneath the bracket product man- manager. Yeah. So my contract. Uh, it says product manager, like senior product manager at Warner Music. But with any product manager, they kind of evolve into to becoming like mini CEOs. When you have a product, you're kind of responsible for Oh, uh, we like that title. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a mini CEO. Yeah, so it's a, a miniature CEO. So you're kind of responsible for... Um, I guess it kind of makes sense because if you've come up with this thing and put it out there and it pops off. That's it. So it's yours. Got to manage it's it. yours. Yeah. He's just managing the product. That's it. That's really cool. So, you know, it started as a, you know, in more of a traditional sense, a real product. So I had to manage the, you know, I source the development teams, manage those guys through what we call sprints, which is um, small iterations of building an app, testing it, releasing it. Okay. And then once it kind of was released, then that's when we look at marketing and expanding the brands, you know, I spoke to. The guys over at GRM and they were like, listen, you can't just come across as a piece of software. Everything is lifestyle based now, you know. So I would look at a gap in the market and being like, boom, we don't have that. Let's put this in place. So it's very entrepreneurial. Very entrepreneurial, but it also sounds like it's governed a lot by personal taste. It um, is. So like you have to really enjoy the product that you're consuming yeah. and the stuff that's going to be on the platform. Yeah, I mean, you work best on the things that you love. Oh, yeah, for sure. Is there quite a bit of pitching you have to do internally? 100%. To get yeah, they, I mean, it's... So day to day, how much pitching do you do? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's... How many days out of the week? Swings and roundabouts. So if you are in product inception, which is like the ideation process of you have like five or six ideas and products that you're wireframing, then yeah, you're pitching kind of constantly, uh, you know, like I guess once a day. So for example, wow. with, with once run, a day. Yeah, with like run the mic, for example, um, I'd have to continuously go around to the different labels, the different A&R, the marketing teams, and essentially kind of pitch why an artist should be on it or why it's good for a marketing team to kind of collab with us or why I'd need more budget from the senior leadership team to do, let's say, an event or more merch or, you know, so you're constantly pitching to people internally, but then also externally to like vendors and people that you want to collab with and artists. So, for example, you know, getting an artist from a competitor's label on board, that pitch is completely different to, let's say... An artist who already is on your label. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, That's cool. it's completely different. Yeah. You were talking about artists earlier. Um, we've already done a little cheeky cursory search and interview, but like Ed Sheeran and Dua Lipa, when you're working with like people of that caliber, because mm. you were saying that's when you were in the sort of like product stage before Run the Mic. Yeah. How were you doing that stuff and then realizing, oh, I think I've got a mode now to actually do something that's my own platform? Mm. I mean, in your role, do these artists come to you and go, I've had this crazy idea, like yeah, how all do you good do artists yeah, do. Yeah, of course. And then you're like, oh my God, I've got to try and make this real. What's Ed Sheeran like, first of all? Give us the tea <laughs> on Dua Lipa the and Ed Sheeran. Ed Sheeran's the most down-to-earth, humble guy. I mean, he's exactly kind of the way that you see you him. You imagine him. You'd imagine. That's, okay. that's how he is. He is the boy next door, just a great lad. Uh, I haven't actually spoke to him specifically about product. That usually comes through... Um, other people in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's obviously extremely busy to kind of go through the nuts and bolts of that kind of stuff. Um, with Dua Lipa's team, it was a bit more closer to her people. So she had you know, the, the person who is one removed from her, who understands her brand and um, what resonates with her audience. 
I would speak with that individual on what works and kind of, you know, I'll come up with ideas. So they would give us a, let's say a brief and then we'd go back with like five to 10 ideas. But then you have someone, for example, like Mist, who uh, when we were signing him, mm. he was getting kind of taken around the building. You know, a bit, artists get building tools when they kind of, uh, we're, we're looking to sign them. And he'd stop by, he'd stop by my office and yeah, like he came in and was like, oh, that, like you're doing this run the mic stuff. That's incredible. I've actually got all these ideas for apps and products because we've Sick. seen kind of people like Wiz Khalifa yeah. make a killing with his kind of, you yeah, know, his application. That, so, he smashed it. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, you get artists which are very much completely invested that have all these crazy ideas that they want to um, see kind of come to fruition, but they don't necessarily have the people that are close to them within their team, but they have the road manager, their managers that do great at what, you know, or the, let's say their merch team, but building out applications is a very unique kind yeah. of proposition. So they would come in and be like, we like, we want to do this. And then we would help flesh the, help them flesh the idea out. Or let's say go back and with 10 ideas that they can kind of pick from and then tweak and then we kind of iterate. I guess you must have to be quite good at like managing people and their emotions and their expectations as well because you've got big dude, names that's the, coming and being like, dude, that's I the want job. this and I want it tomorrow. That's the job. Yeah. So the job of a product manager is you have to be human. So like, yeah. for example, I'm not saying that developers aren't human, but they have their way about them in terms of socially. Oh, yes. And then obviously you have... Um, the CEOs are very fleeting, you know, with their time. So you need someone who's a people person that would sit down with an art artist, understands what they are, what makes them tick, can speak their language, and be like, yeah, yeah, I get. For example, um, that you want a let's say let's say run the mic was came from someone else. I get that you need a a digital version of Risky Roads. Like yeah. if you if that was your pitch, I'll go away and be like, what he actually means is this. And then I'll go back and be like, this is what you meant, right? And without kind of giving him too much tech jargon, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. you can record, you can spit your bars and upload. But then to my developers, I'm like, okay, cool. We, this needs to be in like HTML5. Yeah, so it is literally a translating role. At That's what Where they're is. like, yeah. I want digital risky roads. Yeah. And you can't go to a developer and he's like, what the hell is risky road? That's it. So like, for, so for, for me, for example, I wear so many different hats. I'm either pitching to us like to C-level executives about needing funding and talking their language about, you know, ROI and uh, growth and, you know, like projections and, or let's say speaking to uh, seed investors or VCs, venture capitalists on getting funding for an idea and speaking that language from the kind of mm -hmm. more my, my tech startup background, all the way to having like, you know, sitting in a studio with like a 16 year old kid and trying to get him to write something, you know, like for a, for a track with a producer and every, every, I have to be able to to wear those different hats. So That's depending so on which so depending on which day you catch me on, I could be wearing like a shirt and trousers. It all becomes so clear now. Why yeah. when we were like explain your job title, you were kind of like oh, it's a lot of things. Yeah, my my, my <laughs> mum doesn't know what I do. So yeah, that's a tricky uh, one. You do everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a strange. But one. that's really fun. So you're saying you specifically don't deal with like the tech yourself you kind of put together the teams yeah. to achieve your vision correct so because he's a ceo remember he's a mini mini, mini, CEO, mini ceo yeah, yeah. yeah. very very yeah. <laughs> micro <laughs> micro ceo uh does so being a product manager do you need a huge amount of tech knowledge um it always helps so when i first got the role um so as a product manager you're supposed so i'm not sure how technical we get here but the idea is you're supposed to articulate um, the requirements of what you require to be built 
to the development team. Uh, and yes. they so you, need a, you need a basic knowledge at least. Right? Yeah, because they give you an estimate. And depending on how um, crafty the developers are, sometimes they inflate those estimates. So <laughs> they're if, testing your knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when like, who no. does it, yeah, guys? Exactly. We all want to cut a check. That's yeah. it. <laughs> so, so when I first got into the role, uh, I knew nothing about kind of product management. I, I'm not, you know, my background is in tech. It's in, it's in design. So um, when I first got the role... And I was tasking these, you know, uh, developers with uh, requirements. You know, they would inflate the kind of, you know, the estimation so ridiculous. So, we, so when I came into the game, it was very much like you're a nice person, Neon, but we're kind of we're gonna rip the ass out of you. <laughs> so um, it was a baptism of fire for the first oh, year or so. But, expensive uh, baptism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and exactly. painful. Yeah. So um, I had to go back to the drawing board and and and, and train up. So I guess the first couple of skills I got was, um, you know, utilizing data. So I use a product called SQL Workbench. So SQL is a it's a it's a querying language of how to um, go into databases and pull out statistics based on kind of you know on on, on rows of data. And you knew about that before? No, I had zero idea. <laughs> like you know, in design, uh, you know, coming from a design background, <laughs> yeah. you know, like my my. I always use like Adobe Illustrator, for example, to do design and fashion design. Um, but when I got into obviously product management, that was all about technology and using data to define your decisions. Mm. You know, SQL and you know databases like Redshift, which is like a, an Amazon database. Those are the kind of you know the, the bread and butter of of um, asking questions when it comes to products. So that was one of my first products I would use. So the product management side of things is a platform called Jira, which helps break out every single feature into its own thing called a user story. This is getting so granular. But it <laughs> allows you to manage kind of um, how many things go into a product. It's like, um, like a recipe list for, you know, for, for a dish that you cook. Okay, but it's, an, like it's an online version. There's an online ah. version of that called Jira. So Jameis, so you mean like you need all of these things you need in all order these to make things. this Correct. thing Correct. Yeah. So developers, work. they go in and they just basically pluck off the top. Okay, next I'm going to have to build the recording function. Okay. So I'm going to take that and build that That seems out. less daunting Check. when you see that it's a recipe list. Because yeah, I can follow a recipe. And if you do want to learn about those technical attributes and go on to the this is how website, this is how.uk, hit us up and you can actually look up courses and figure out how to use things like SQL yep. uh, and loads and loads of other coding and do quizzes and find out whether you're kind of suited to becoming another Leon. Who is dope? How did you feel about your own educational process? Did you like it? No, uh, I didn't, it didn't really. You know, for me, my university experience was the same thing that, of, as going to like sixth form. You know, I I didn't kind of move away into halls of residence and kind of do the whole engrossing, you know, like university experience. It was pretty much just going to class as yeah. normal and, go, and going home. And like, I was still working retail three days a week. And so you went to uni in London. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I went okay. to St. Martin's for the my, my first year and then went to LCC for my... my... So you're just around in general. So yeah. You know, you know where you're yeah. based. So for me, like, I, I went to university when I needed to. I, you know, I grafted. Um, my lecturer at the time had no kind of belief that I would pull through and, you know, and deliver what I needed to deliver. Um, we had our battles and... <laughs> 
Yeah, it's crazy. It's always one in it. There's always one lecturer who's like, this isn't going to happen. Yeah. And it was tough, man, because in architecture and you know, <clears throat> spatial designs, what I was, uh, was spatial designs kind of what I was doing. Um, you know, it's expensive as well. Would you do education differently or would you still go down the same route? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people that I know, they are in professions which have no relation to their to their degree. It's common, right? It's common, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, there is, I think the, the value in doing, let's say, a bachelor's for me is uh, how disciplined are you you know, in in a completely self, you know, like, uh, you know, you have it, you have very little kind of contact time or someone demanding that you hand your work in and do all this kind of stuff. Oh. It's, it's it's on you. And if you don't kind of, you know, it, it's, it's very self-directed. So it gives you the discipline to meet deadlines and be very disciplined at what you do. Uh, you know, it takes a lot to kind of, you know, to get through a degree um, when a lot of people are kind of off doing, you know, their gap years. And, you know, a lot of people fail in their first year because they get sidetracked by a lot of things and no one's kind of asking them, hey, like, where's this kind of homework like you would get in kind of secondary school? Mm. So I think it gives you good discipline. Um, but, you know, nothing kind of beats practical. For me, I learned more within the first month of my first kind of real job in my career than the entire three years that when I was at a really prestigious university. So, um, but you know, university is great for building a network. Um, you can't get a lot of jobs. For example, I can't get a job in Google because I'm not. I haven't got a degree which is computer science. That is one of their first things, which is right. which is what you, which is what you need, which is computer science, for okay. example. So there are certain jobs which require it. Obviously, being a doctor and that kind of stuff. But in the creative arts, you don't need. I've seen people that have been hired into you know, positions at incredible fashion houses or mm-hmm. even record labels that haven't got, you know, degrees. It's, it's kind of, it, it's almost meaningless to a degree, you know. Like, you look at all the top producers now. They haven't got degrees, you know, in you know in music production. They're just yeah. in their house just banging out beats and that's how that they make it. that was the lesson in itself. That's it, yeah. So, you know, you can't, you can't really teach that. So you mentioned about, like, your first month on the job, you learned more than you ever did in your degree. 100%. What kind of skills were you picking up? Where'd you get them from? Like, where were you learning this stuff and what were you learning? Yeah, so the guy who I sat next to, he was a product manager. My, the Should guy, we name him? Jameson Yee, Jamo Yee. He's, uh, Big ups, Jamo Yee. Yeah, he's, he, he's an absolute product legend in the game. Uh, he's very well, well well known now and he's doing great stuff over in LA. Um, we'll probably work together again one day. So shout out to Jamo for lavishing me with his, Solid plug. With his knowledge. Uh, so I sat you can next sit to next to him any day, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. So I sat. So I sat next to him. Whereas my the guy who initially brought me in, he was um, director of products, but he was more of um, a salesman. So I had one guy on one side. So Jameson, who was a perfectionist at teaching me about building requirements, boiling it down into the absolute MVP, minimal viable product, uh, and kind of really. Um, delve into the mind of users as to what they really want, and you know that. And he kind of always had these quotes that he kind of threw at me. Um, you know, one is obviously the kind of the the Henry Ford. You know, if you ask people what they want, they want back when Henry Ford invented the car. If you ask people what they want, they want a faster horse, not a car. Mm. So it's always kind of understanding what people really want, and then building the requirements out from that. He'd always grill me, grill me about my requirements, about what was necessary. He was a perfectionist. He was he was always seeking perfection when it comes to product management. Whereas um, the guy that I lined into, Nick, 
more of a sales guy, he taught me about um, the power of charisma and the power of PowerPoint and selling your vision into, you know, to, to inspire individuals to to adopting your product. As a product manager, you have zero um, authority over uh, your consumers using your product. If you create a product and they don't like it, people won't use it. You can't force them to like it. So you have to kind of build, you know, the romance in your idea and really kind of um, build a story as as to why it ha it will give value to the end user. So he'd always given me the more of the fairy tale and um, the romance of product management and selling product. Nike's incredibly good at you know building that. Nick was very much about brand and you know feeling and and, and emotion, whereas Jameson was all about specifics and, and and requirements. So I sat next to these two guys that completely gave me a balanced view on on how to build product. And how to you know to, to to go into a room and sell product to, you know, an end user. So how did you find out about product managing, and then how did you go about getting that first gig? So um, came out of university, did a few different design jobs, and uh, due to like planning permission, and like you know those got chalked off. I was frustrated. I thought Asia would be a great place to go and apply my kind of you know my trade because there's a lot less red tape. Um, so went over to Asia, got shanked a few times, and I have a twin brother who was working in um, marketing and digital at the time, who would always call me in his lunch break, bragging about, "Hey man, I just built this thing overnight, got it out, and you know, like uh, got feedback." And for me, you hear stories about being an architect. You only kind of realize your, you know, your ambitions when you're like 50 plus, right? Mm -hmm. For the first 20 years of your career, you're literally kind of putting doorknobs on doors. That's what you're doing. You're not. You're not trusted to do anything else so rather than kind of waiting you know that long to kind of start seeing my things out there and being realized i was like listen i mean in a, in a digital world it makes more sense to kind of do these kind of quicker turnaround um uh, products so uh took a risk after three years living in thailand and the recession hit they were laying off all their architects i came back to london with absolutely nothing um but a, a wardrobe of of sick clothing selling off all my clothing on ebay a guy <laughs> we've hits, all been there <laughs> <laughs> as you do uh, a guy hit me up on ebay and was like hey love this uh, it's like this really kind of iconic d squared civil war jacket and he's like man i really love this jacket um what's the lowest offer you'll do and i said listen if you I, so i googled his name and um he was like the product director of like AOL. I didn't know what product director was, but I said, listen, it sounds high caliber, high paid. You can obviously afford this ridiculous expensive jacket. I'll give you a good deal if you give me an interview. He wrote back on eBay and was like, you've got balls coming for an interview. So I came in uh, with the jacket in hand. He's like, leave that shit by reception. This looks way too dodgy. <laughs> um, so I'm here with your bribe. Yeah, yeah. And here is your bribe. So... Um, uh, so yeah, I had I could interview with him, and he gave me a two-week research project in video advertising. He sat me next to this um, Australian uh, product whiz kid, and uh, yeah, so he said, "Listen, I see a lot of kind of me and you. I want to teach you everything that I know." And um, yeah, he made me into an absolute product weapon. So oh, I have everything sick. to kind of product weapon. Yeah. So whenever Fab. he so he moved to. Uh, a couple of companies. He always needed a second in command. Went to Warner Music in LA, and he needed someone to oversee kind of uh, things within Europe. And said, "Hey, listen, come out to you know live in New York for for a little while just to understand the business." What? Yeah, so I would. Yeah, so I, just like, like yeah, okay. it's fine. Your work visa, it's sorted. Yeah, yeah. So I lived in New York for like a year. 
um, in in Midtown and um, Fab understood the business. And I was, so I was back and forth between LA and New York because he sat in, in in LA as you do. And then um, after a year, I came back and yeah, got into product. Yeah, this this crazy crazy game. Well, okay, sorry, silence, because I'm yeah. like, what? That's the, the, the compact story. It's a lot Everyone, of... think about your Depop accounts and who you're selling to. Yeah. Google them. Maybe the job <laughs> is there. No, facts. Like, you know, when I came back from Thailand, I sent off, like, a ton of CVs, right? Just the traditional route of, you know, like, CV builder and, you know, applying via LinkedIn and stuff. And I had zero responses. Like, one response was, hey, you didn't actually attach your CV. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, You're like, bing, yes, someone replied. Yeah. Oh, no, like, God. yeah, I was like, at least I got the reply. That, feel, that feels good. Um, so after that, I, you know, I, I've always been creative in my problem solving. I was just thinking, listen, there has to be another way around it. So I can't just be some, you know, black text on a piece of paper. So, um, yeah, I mean... You, I think getting jobs in today's world, you have to be very creative and, you know, getting your foot in the door by any means. It's hard. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Because, you I mean, you're an architect graduate. Yeah. I'm like, you should be getting people just being yeah. like, come in, we want to work with you. I think it yeah. comes down to that thing, it's quite hard to make that process human, right? Yeah. When it's just like CV, CV, and they're getting thousands of them, they're just seeing bits of paper, and like you said, black text on a sheet, right? Whereas you kind of broke through that by hitting the guy up and being like, yeah, you get, you I'll get, give you yeah, a you, sick discount. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where you have to like zig when everyone zags and um, you have to come across as human as possible. You know, there. Are, if I was, you know, starting back, you know, at the age of 21, 20 now, I would take a completely different kind of route to try to get a job versus, you know, like uh, handing a CV over. I'd be completely creative in the way that I would do things. Give us do some you, examples. Yeah. Um, I want to know. Do you have any? Like, yeah, I mean, so this is absolutely me spitballing, but whenever I've gone for an interview, for example, I know so much about the person interviewing me. Um, I do so much kind of a, almost like a, a background check using kind of LinkedIn, like what football team do they support? Like where do they live? Where do they go beforehand? What school do they go to? I know so much more about them that I try to use that information to kind of to to, to get into let's getting through the door so for example uh if i knew you were into trainers for example and you had researching isn't you know it? like if you had a twitter account or instagram for example i might hit you up on instagram and be like hey listen like what do you think about these new dior jordans xyz oh listen by that like that might kind of pique your interest and be like oh cool this person speaks the same language we're on the same wavelength he's a cool dude listen like I might be looking for uh, a position at whatever you're doing. I'm just kind of in the game, but it's just something like that. Just basically, use, there's so much data and, and information on people in general online. People are a lot more kind of available than you actually can imagine. You know, there's there are tools. Again, this is kind of given uh, the game away, but every corporate has like an email um, like structure. So, for example. I'm not even going to give away one. So and so dot last name exactly at that company yeah. Yeah, 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 dot co dot uk or dot com all that kind of stuff. So um, you know if you know for example there is a position that you're after and there's a person that is in that company that you've seen on LinkedIn and they have their first name and last name on there, find out there there are there are certain kind of um, tools online that are email checkers. So you can send an email and it will tell you whether it's bounced or it's been accepted. So you know that that's a real email. I've done this a ton of times for like, that's smart. even for run the mic. So I would hit someone up and just be like, hey, listen, you like trainers? Cool. Listen, 
that might hook you in, but I'm actually after X, Y, and yeah, Z. Yeah. Here's a quick video link of me giving, you know, a bit of a, a, a discussion on this subject in this location. Like, just check it out. That kind of would resonate a lot more than, let's say, a CV. Just a CV. Yeah, or even, I mean, you know, again, it depends on how desperate you are. But there are people that wait outside of our offices, you know, playing guitars and stuff. And, you know, like they might know your face from LinkedIn. They might know you are the person that's in A&R, for example. And they might just be like, hey, listen, Leon. And that will catch you off guard, you know. Like, has that ever happened to you? I mean, there has been occasions where uh, people have reached out or let's say stopped me. Like we've got into a conversation. What, you want to say is stalked you? It's no, a safe no, place. Yeah. You can say that. Maybe, maybe, maybe stalk. <laughs> Um, it's data. It's research. It's research. <laughs> yeah. Big data. D- big data. But yeah, there, there, are, there is a million ways to kind of to to get your foot in the door. And at the moment, when you look, when we're looking at research and who we're interviewing, there are very few women in tech. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's growing, but they're mm-hmm. also for me, people of color, like black people, mm-hmm. actually in tech. Mm-hmm. Like what you're saying is mm-hmm. like nurturing black music. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Can you talk or speak more about that? Because I think a lot of people listening that uh, it kind of makes that job a little less distancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I, I big question, I, I, my career is kind of almost spanned. Like it's you know, there's been a lot of change in, you know, in tech and uh, in music over the last, I guess, ten years. Yeah, yeah. huge jump. Yeah. yeah, so when I kind of first got in, um, there was a certain you know demographic which dominated tech, data, and advertising, and you know. Um, um, and you know it kind of it, it, it is it kind of it is what it is. But throughout my career, you know, for example, like the team that I'm kind of you know I work with in now, we have a, a very diverse team. I think it's an important thing to mention in tech because there are so many young women, young people of color who are yeah. looking for avenues to get into these kind of industries yeah. that haven't necessarily always been explicitly open for them. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see someone like yourself who's coming in, who's like, they're so like I'm from ends, I'm from here. Yeah. Um, there's an avenues that are open for you. Yeah, I think it's it's my it's almost a resp- it's like an unwritten responsibility to humanize what what I do. Right. You know, I think some like just the jargon alone. You know, when you look at let's say a job position, so confusing, and it's all this kind of jargon. You just you like I think if you come from a certain kind of background where you're not around, like your dad. Let's say your dad wasn't a technologist for you. Like you didn't you never heard these terms. For example, it's a different language to what you know. It can come across as intimidating. You you see like the job applications and stuff and they've all got like minimum two to three, five, seven years experience doing exactly this job if you want this job. And you're like, where do I start? I'm going to get into this. This is where I think your story is so helpful because you just kind of sidestep the whole system. Yeah. You put yourself out there and if you really want to, if you want to go big, you've got to put yourself out there. Yeah. And, you know, I think staying humble and, and, and I think... One thing that's really kind of got me through my career to where I am today is is understanding my limitations and and always trying to grow and listening to people that have been through it and has that knowledge. You know, I've always kind Ooh. of I've yeah. always rec- I've A always word. <laughs> yeah I've always sat next to someone and I'm very open in what I don't know and I'm always mm. you know I'm I'm always asking for people to like. You know, can you like teach me how to do that? Mm. You know, if if someone teaches you how to do something, <laughs> if you if you're humble enough to to openly admit that you don't know shit, and that you, there is room to grow, yeah. and you know, I think yeah. that has always got me through Fabulous. things. I think there's, there there are people that I've worked with that have winged it, and you know, there there is an element of fake it till you make it. However, in tech, you get found out, and I and I find that 
it's okay putting your hands up and being like, I listen, I don't know. I'm going to learn though. Yeah. There's a big difference between like self-confidence, self-belief and backing mm. yourself and arrogance. Yeah. And, like yeah. ego, There's right? A, yeah. yeah. But some people, they, yeah. They can both Confused. get you through the door. Yeah. But trust me, that's that second one. Yeah. You fall on your face very soon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you don't back it up and what I've been hearing the whole time is that you're like, Feed me, feed me, feed me. Yeah. Learn, learn, learn. That's, That's I think fab. It's, it's a so listen, this mentality. Listen, learn, and be hungry to listen hungry, and learn. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely super starving all, <laughs> all the time. I love that. I'm super. Well, thank you, super starving, Leon. Absolutely, anytime. You're, yeah, you're amazing. I feel like yeah, I feel quite motivated. <laughs> but like I've been giving a pep just chat talk. To ra- go chat to randoms now on the street. What can you teach me? <laughs> give it a pep talk. What junk can you give me? <laughs> <laughs> what do you know? What have you got? So what have you got? Yeah, it's it's like, so good. I was like, oh, wait, mate, we're so like it's Thanos. Just oh my god, infinity oh my god, god. do the CV, mate. I was like, oh man. Okay, so every episode we ask our guests beforehand to fill out this little CV. You know this portion by now. Yeah, all our loyal listeners talking <laughs> about course. loyalty. Of course, every of course. episode, every episode. So let's run through it. Start at the top as always. Name: Leon Farrell. Socials: Leon Farrell one two three. Yeah, not very creative, but yeah, <laughs> very functional. Ron Seal. Yeah. It's fine. Job: Innovator. Yeah, I quite like that. That's good. Yeah. Can you get them to change it on your contract? Maybe a little more humble than mini CEO. Yeah. yeah fair. CEO. He wants the job. That's why he like turned it down a little bit. He went a bit humble. Yeah. Like, mini CEO is fine. <laughs> I don't want to step on any toes. Yeah. Company, Warner Music. That yeah. is facts. Yeah. yeah, we know that. Big companies. Good. Career <laughs> highlight. Collab with Harvey Nicks, consisting of a capsule collection, in-store event and social takeover. That's so random in comparison to what, like what? what? Yeah, I mean, so I kind of put this on there because, you know, being like a London born and raised boy, we'd always go to like, you know, West End and run through Selfridges and Mm -hmm. Harvey Nichols and Harrods window shopping and thinking of these huge establishments as so so prestigious and, and, you know, uh, very difficult to infiltrate. Like they would never want anything that I could have to offer. Yeah. So so, you did a collab there? Yeah. So we had a, a, kind of collab where they let me do a, a takeover of their basement of their menswear store and we put on these incredible kind of raves um and we, yeah so we had um you know artists come down and perform like you know we had like great you know, huge drill artists and uh come in and you know they performed and we had a crazy um like capsule collection with like you know t-shirts which i designed and um, did a takeover of their socials as well, and it was all co-branded on the same kind of lines as as nice. their brand. Yeah. So, kind of, you know, my living room at home, I've got you know the the Harvey Nichols and Run the Mic, uh, the kind of sign that they, they built for the the takeover ah. in my kind of room. That just you know is a bit of a, a career highlight for me. Right, next, let's 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 tone it down a minute with his best failure. Yeah, <laughs> let's bring this bring this guy back down to earth, please. <laughs> Mini CEO. Uh, blowing a lot of money on building an in-house CMS content management system. Oh, you know. Oh, yeah, I used to run a website. There you go. <laughs> building an in-house CMS, which was decommissioned, decommissioned yeah. within six months. Yeah. So this was kind of... Rot-row. This was one of those... Um, so when you're very young and you assume that you know it all, uh, product managers, when they're kind of very inexperienced... You kind of start you 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 second guess and assume what end users want mm-hmm. from your product rather than kind of because it takes a lot of time and effort going out and doing the market research and really understanding what people want and how they want to use something. 
So I pretty much assumed a bunch of the requirements and then <laughs> I released it and they were like, we don't use it like that. So No one likes it. Yeah, so I blew Put like... in the bin. I think I blew like close to like a million worth <gasps> of uh, developer resources. Ouch. And I, and I, and I was a young, oh, I was no. a young buck at the time and, and, and shout out to Jamo. He looked at me and was like, yeah, just don't do that again. <laughs> And I knew learn this expensive lesson. Yeah, please. So having someone that you know in those kind of so those are kind of those sliding door moments where you say it's the users that don't know what they want, and it's it's you know it's not my it's not my fault, it's theirs. Or you say no, no, like it's a hundred percent me. I didn't do the work, and I will do it. Yeah, and because my because I I said that to my boss was like I won't do that again. Like I will completely change my method and do the actual work next time. He was like, okay, cool. You know, for me. I've always kind of developed and grown from my failures. And also, if you are going to make a failure, it better be like a million pound worth yeah. of a failure. Exactly. <laughs> this is why they say learn on someone else's money, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Not my money. True. Why should we hire you? <laughs> yeah. This is the salesman coming out straight away. Who doesn't need another problem solver? <laughs> yes. Good point. So, my, yeah, so JMO, he would always say to me, um, you know, bring me, you know, solutions that bring me problems. You know, prob- mm-hmm. I think in today's day and age where, you know, media, you know, social media and and news, all they talk about is problems in the world. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is very quick to uh, talk about how crap certain things are and certain, like, mm-hmm. how, how dire certain situations mm-hmm. are. And I think people need to get back to being, you know, um, solutions architects. So for me, it's whenever I see a problem, it's not a problem. There's a, you know, there's a potential solution to build. So, uh, you know, I think if you go in and you can always have a kind of a solutions finding hat on and you're not the person within the team that's just like a Neggy. negative about things, yeah. but you're like, no, 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 why don't we do like think of, think yeah. of creative solutions? You will always be needed somewhere. Yeah. Pointing out the problems is the easy bit. Right? Wow, that's easy, man. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, hired. Cool. He got me on I've, solution I've architect. The million. I forgive the million architect. as well. Money well spent. Money well spent. Money yeah. well spent. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming in. Thank You're you guys. dope. I love conversations. Love it. You've been listening to This Is How, created by Nominate and Liberty, your essential rundown on figuring out a path into digital careers for the brands you love. Head over to our website to listen back to our other episodes, find the industry role you're most suited to, and discover free training to help you get the job you want. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. You're dope. Thank you. Big up to you. Another applause in the studio for yes. the Solution Architect. All the guys in here. You guys oh, are Stop it. Everyone, everyone.